0: You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson
1: Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, and Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. You know, I'm even somehow... More excited,
0: uh, even even this far removed from that that Georgia win. You know that was that was pretty big. I, I was just thinking, who's the second best team in the SEC? Maybe it's Georgia. Maybe it's Texas A and M. We have pretty big wins over both. I mean, I mean we've already kind of proven that through forty percent of the season, we're the best team in this league. I, I think that's already settled, or at least settled to this point. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and, um, today on, uh, listen, I, I got about four this morning had to drive to other city from, uh, near Nashville. And, um, it, it, on the, on a lot of the sports, college sports shows, they were talking about how, you know, Texas A&M may back their way into the college football playoff somehow. I mean, you look at their schedule the rest of the way. Um, it's not like it's a, a yeoman's task to get through it. And, um, yeah, they could. I mean, if they finish with only one loss to Alabama, I would say there's at least a 50 shot they get in. I mean, you know, Clemson's going to get in or Notre Dame, I guess. Uh, one of those two will get in, and then Alabama should get in. And But shoot, if if Alabama beats Georgia as a rematch or beats Florida or whatever, um, you'd feel pretty good about, um, about Texas A&M getting in, which is kind of weird to say. But – This is an Alabama podcast. We will keep it Bama-rific. Jimmy, I think the first thing we need to talk about is it is Tua time in Miami land. Tua Tungvalo has been named the starter after this upcoming off week for the Miami Dolphins, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, that's pretty
0: cool news, isn't it? Uh, I'm very excited. Uh, Definitely plan to pull out all the stops to watch that. Uh, So happy for him. Let me, uh, again, Alabama show, not an Ivy League show, not a Harvard show, but let me throw out a ton of respect here to Ron Fitzpatrick, who has handled this situation like a complete gentleman that we know he is. Uh, from hey, being, being Did a pretty good job last year as the Dolphins' starting quarterback when he came in late and sort of rescued the season, had a couple of big wins late, welcomed Tua with open arms, became great close personal friends with Tua and his family, right off the bat has happily served as Tua's NFL mentor. And despite the fact that he's playing well and got the Dolphins to a three and three record and could easily right now be arguing, Hey, I'm the one that got us on the doorsteps of the playoffs. And you're, you're benching me instead. He's 100% supportive of Tua and the All Dolphins. Right. What a, what a team guy and a stand up person uh, Ron Fitzpatrick is and, Tua could not have lucked into a better uh, NFL mentor than that guy.
1: Yeah, and uh, they really seem to be pulling for each other this past week. Uh, I was at the office. I don't know what the – I was at the office on Sunday afternoon when the Dolphins were playing, and then Twitter blew up with Tua's going in, and I closed all my shit up and ran home just to see uh, the direct ticket NFL game and just watch his two passes, and <clears throat> though they may have gained a grand total of ten yards, um, God, I was—it was just so good to see him out there. And uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him. And speaking of potential Alabama pro quarterbacks, I saw a mock first round draft today that actually had uh, Mac Jones going in the first round to the Chicago Bears of all people. Uh, first round sort of blew me away, but then Chicago Bears, and I was like, you know, I think that. Mac Jones is better than Mitchell Trubisky, but it seems like they right. kind of have some of the same characteristics, so I'm not sure Chicago would go that route regardless. I just thought it was interesting he's now in the first round.
0: Well, that's one opinion. Uh, you know, the I, I love mock drafts. I mean, I love them. I'll read every one of them. I take them all serious. You just can't take them as gospel because of where they come from. Uh, it's sure. kind of like it's kind of like you know, ask ask Jimmy Stein who the top fifteen prospects in Alabama are, and I'm going to entertain you, and I'm going to have an opinion, and it's going to be a, an educated opinion that's going to help you understand what the situation is out there. But if uh, if Alabama, whether it's Bob Welton, who's director of uh, recruiting, or, or Nick <laughs> Saban himself, if he tells you who Alabama thinks are the best fifteen prospects, you know, you need to listen to them. And uh, these mock drafts come from Jimmy Stein's. Not from uh, not from Nick Saban's. So this isn't from the desk of the front office of the Indianapolis Colts. It's just some journalist opinion, and it's a journalist's opinion based on incomplete information because they're not yet privy to the dissection of these players' games that come at the end of the season. To say nothing of the Senior Bowl combines and and, and pro day. So a uh, lot of a lot of meat left on the bone in terms of where Mac might go in the draft, but. I think it's cool. I think it's extremely interesting. And we talked about it today on Crimson Country Club or a little blog there and in which I talked about this issue of whether Mac should come out or not. And wow, I, I think he's got one of the all-time perplexing decisions to make uh about coming out or, or staying. Uh and, and it's so easy to take either 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 side of it and him being mocked into a first round today almost further complicates things in terms of well i mean if you're if you're ever coming out being mocked in the first rounds, the time to do it uh particularly with him losing his wide outs and his offensive line and his running back uh which is uh pretty obvious that's going to happen
1: yeah and i mean I, i'm i'm with you you can say hey he should come back and prove that he's the man without waddle and smitty and and Najee and whatever Or the flip side of that is, hey, why in the hell would you come back when you're losing most of your offensive line and you're losing all your main weapons? You're never going to be higher than you are right now. So, I mean, I I get it both ways, but um, I just thought it was interesting to see him in there. And speaking of interesting, look, everybody's life is go, 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 go. And everybody needs to take a little time to chill out. I know I do. I know Jimmy does. And so when you want to chill out, what you want to do is grab yourself a Coors Light. Absolutely delicious, refreshing. Uh, No matter what sport is on this fall, uh, Saturdays especially are your time to chill. So you need to grab a Coors Light, check into Alabama, Tennessee this weekend, or grab a Coors Light tonight and pull up on your DVR the Alabama-Georgia game from last week Because Coors Light is made to chill, and you can sit there and relax knowing Alabama is going to get that big win while you sip down that delicious Coors Light. It's made to chill. Go check them out at CoorsLight.com. Be sure to celebrate responsibly whenever Alabama gets that win. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Also, want to tell everybody about Built Bar. Builtbar.com is the best nutritional, best tasting. Health bar on the market. It's it's just awesome. It really is. Jimmy and I have had them. Uh, lots of different flavors. My favorite is the carrot cake. Go to uh, builtbar.com and enter code locked on to get your twenty percent off discount for all things built bar. And they've got all these flavors you want. They're much better than, say, like a Cliff Bar. Certainly a lot more nutritional than any kind of chocolate bar you can grab in the impulse aisle at at your local convenience store. But you want to check out BuiltBar.com and get a bunch of them because I promise you'll love them. They're like a meal substitute, great for a keto diet. That's BuiltBar.com, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Hi Jimmy, Um, anything you want to throw out there about uh, the Georgia game just to wrap it up? I mean, before we get into Tennessee talk. Uh, Just the fact that, you know,
0: uh, regardless of how many points Alabama scored uh, or what you may think of Georgia, that is an extremely elite defense. I feel very confident that by season's end, it it will kind of be the consensus number one defense in college football. And, and how amazing it is. Uh, I had a friend point this out yesterday, uh, and I'll go, I'll go, I will i would say his name. I'm sure he do not want it on the air, but, but he'll know who he is when he hears this because he listens to the show. But, uh, man, how much does this Alabama team remind you of LSU's team a year ago? And by that, I mean, in terms of the makeup of Mac Jones, who, uh, was not thought of as a highly ranked NFL prospect now being mocked into the first round out of nowhere. Now, uh, an an unstoppable offense used to be considered an antiquated offense is now totally unstoppable. It's an offense good enough in and of itself to win the national championship defensively, not great early in the year, but you can sort of see some potential to where much like LSU a year ago, people in September and October were saying, I'm not sure LSU's defense is good enough to hold up. They probably won't win the national championship because their defense isn't that great. But by season's end, at the very end, LSU's defense was good. And I would say going into the playoffs, they probably had the best defense on the field in the playoffs because they got better and better and better and just better developed under Dave Aranda as the season went on. So I, I can easily see Alabama doing that. And uh, I, I just think Alabama's team overall, uh, very reminiscent of uh, of LSU last year. My pal made a good point.
1: No, that is a good point. And I'll tell you something else that uh, I think as the game and the season wears on, the potency of Alabama's offense it does nothing but help Alabama's defense. You could say on one side that yeah, it, it makes the the other offense play high speed and whatever, which usually into our strength. But I think that the offense puts so much pressure on the other team's offense that it can force them into some bad mistakes. I mean, we saw that this past weekend with Stetson Bennett the fourth. Uh, throwing three picks. And most of that came because of pressure. I'd say all of it came because of pressure. Now that theory doesn't exactly hold water when you talk about Ole Miss, but I wouldn't I'm going to say Ole Miss is going to end up being the outlier on the season. And um, I'm not going to count that one quite as much. Let's see what happens with Tennessee. The litmus test is going to be this weekend against Tennessee because they seem like a program that is on fire right now, not in a good way, like smoldering fire, not, not a good like, Hey, they're on fire. No, it's uh Oh shit. They're on fire. Somebody call somebody. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, it's going to be a good test to make sure we don't have a letdown. I mean, and I think that's one of the reasons that, uh, perhaps Saban was adamant that that video of him dancing be deleted because, uh, you know, God forbid he'd be seen dancing, uh, in the middle of the season and, and show a little emotion, but, um, I just think he wants to make sure this team doesn't come out flat against Tennessee. Yes, Alabama should win, and they should win handily, but you don't want to just poot around with a team like this and make it close in the end when, and, and give Tennessee any glimmer of hope, right? Well,
0: just think of this. I mean, teams change, and, and, and this, you have to think of the season as a roller coaster. It's not a flat line. You aren't. You don't play the first half of the first game, and then you are what you are for 10 games or 12 games. The season is a roller coaster. You play well for part of it. You play poorly for part of it. And, and, and even that's not straight down. It, it's up, down, quarter to quarter, basically. Let's think of this. Alabama played a six-quarter stretch. Six quarters. They gave up 72 points against Ole Miss and Georgia. 72 points in six quarters. Alabama is still that same team. They're not just the team that played the second half of the Georgia game. That They're capable, for lack of a better word, have given up 72 points in six quarters. Likewise, Tennessee, for as horrible as they were for the last six quarters themselves, Tennessee hadn't played good for six quarters, not the last two against Georgia, not the four against Kentucky. Tennessee looked downright bad the last six quarters. But in the 10 quarters before that, they were undefeated leading Georgia in Athens. So which Tennessee team are you getting? Uh, Alabama better not assume it's the one that that looked terrible against Kentucky. Alabama better assume this is an improving program under Jeremy Pruitt that's very improved at the line of scrimmage especially. And and I think Alabama's defensive line has one heck of a challenge in front of it. Tennessee may be the best offensive line Alabama sees all season long, better than Georgia's even.
1: Now, I like your little – your little pep talk there, I think that's the way to do it. You should be in p r for uh Alabama's schedule, but um the other side of this is Tennessee has lost two in a row, and they were just waxed, not poetically, like literally by a <laughs> and um yeah. so I mean, they' and they threw enough pick sixes for a whole season, so I think that it's it's fair to say that uh this Tennessee team isn't exactly coming in. Just a, a whirling dervish of awesomeness, and um, I, I'm, I'm I think Alabama's a 21 point favorite for a reason. Sorry. And uh, I, I would, right now, I'm going to tell you I'm going to predict Alabama to cover because I think what's going to happen is the the tide may come out a little bit flat, but eventually take over. Let me ask you. Um, I tell you what, let's go to break, and then I want to talk about some of your favorite uh, Alabama Tennessee memories. All right, Jimmy, we're back. Before we talk about uh, Tennessee-Alabama memories, I do want to bring up that uh, Alex uh, Chiku, I believe is how we say that, the freshman basketball player has come in, he apparently is torn his Achilles, uh, which is a bad, bad thing. He's going to have surgery, is the rumor. Um, This is a guy that probably would have helped. I mean, I don't think there's any question he would have helped this year. And he did reclassify, though, so he is rather young, but I still think he would have been a, a big addition to this team. Alab- as a good friend of ours also said in a text chain we share, whatever's buried under Jordan-Hare Stadium, Alabama has the opposite buried under Coleman Coliseum with the way we have bad luck in terms of injuries. So that that one hurt, literally. When I saw the news
0: – uh I don't know who had it first, but I saw it reported by excellent beat writer Tony Soukalas of Rivals.com. When I saw the news, I did not even bat an eye. I didn't get sad or mad. I didn't go, oh, this ruined my day. I just looked at it like, of course he did. Of course he did. I mean, like the sky's blue and the grass is green. Of course, one of our promising players right before the season tears his Achilles, leaving us not. With 13 guys, once again, we'll be shorthanded. Now, I'll take the 12 because that's better than the six we had last year at one point.
1: Exactly. But,
0: uh, of, of course, he did. Of course, he did. Because this is Alabama basketball. If it wasn't for bad luck, we'd have no luck at all. And year after year after year after year, something happens and we don't have our full complement of players we recruited to the team that fall, whether it's injury whether it's surprise transfer, whether it's someone kidnapped a kid and used the car and took off for a little hotel. And it's been all that and more. Uh, So of course, Alex Chiku tore his Achilles. Of course he
1: did. Yeah, it does. It does make some sense in an awful horrific type of way. Um, I also want to give a shout out to one of our new listeners. Uh, Chris McKee, he uh, tweeted the uh, tweeted at us today. "Hey, I'm, I'm you know new fan of the podcast over the last few weeks. I've been listening a few times a week in Canada when I go for a run. Great job, guys! Hey, man, we got we're international, baby. <laughs>
0: he ought to pour himself a uh, Coors Light, heat that bill bar, take off on that run, and uh, and listen to our uh, listen to our Todd talk.
1: That's Would what, what talk I want, Todd." Chris, we have a chat. We have a Twitter challenge for you out there. We want to see you holding a Molson can and a Coors Light can, and then you just throw the Molson can away and hold up the Coors Light can triumphantly. That's what we want to see. <laughs> um, and whatever you know, we- I, I've, met Canadi- I've
0: met several Canadians I've met several Canadians my life. One of my best friends when I was in Alabama uh, was Canadian. Uh, still good friends with some Canadian. I've never met a Canadian I didn't like a lot. Never. There's not been I've one been, Canadian I've ever point. met that I didn't like a lot. I've, I've met a few. I've met like, I mean, I'm, I'm hardly a world traveler, and I've never been to Canada. Oh, one of my friends from home here, uh, he played at professional hockey here in America, a great, another great Canadian. So I've got a couple of great Canadian friends. I've never met a Canadian I didn't like.
1: Okay, I, I do have a story, and this may cut into our. We may have to go down to the Tennessee Bama memory lane, and this is non Bama related, but you know what, folks, stay tuned because this is actually pretty funny, especially if you're from the South. So um, I'm going to protect the innocent here just in case some of them happen to be listening, um, which they won't be. But I know uh, a family that moved to uh, the area from Canada, and when they moved here is decades ago. Um, another neighbor decided, you know, we have a new family that's moved in. I'm going to do what all Southern females do when neighbors move in as a sign of welcome, which is bake them a casserole. I'm just going to bake them a casserole and walk it right down over there to them. So she bakes the casserole. She gets it all, you know, all the Ritz crackers crumbled just right. Uh, 450 degrees, however long it's supposed to be in there. Oven mitts, everything, walking it down uh to the new canadian neighbors do 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 she gets down there and you know the the casserole feels just light and fluffy in her hand everything the birds are singing and everything she gets to the front door knocks on the door and the new neighbor opens up and when he opens up he just sort of stares at her for a minute and he looks down at what she has and he looks back up in her eyes and he says may i help you and she said well, I just thought perhaps I would welcome you to the neighborhood and do as we Southerners do and and bring you a casserole. And he looked her dead in the eyes and said, I don't eat casserole, and shut the door. (laughs) And so then she had to walk back to her house with the very same casserole, which now had cooled significantly and probably weighed about 10 pounds heavier just from the dejection, of uh being rejected by by your welcoming gift and i you know it, it's just one of those things like it, it how insulting can you be but at the same time i admire his honesty i don't like casserole either but i think i would have taken the casserole in scraped it in the garbage disposal and then given her back the the uh glassware yeah. the next wow he's canadian <clears throat> i know isn't it weird yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by that. That's,
0: if you'd have told me that story and said he was from anywhere else or any other state or any other country, I'd go, well, there's your, here's, there's your standard rejection of a casserole story. But I'm blown away because this
1: guy's from Canada. <laughs> well, how about this? Do you, I have a theory that all Chick-fil-A employees are Canadian by default. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who else says my pleasure every time they do something for you?
0: One of my favorite tweets of all time came from some uh, some Bama guy. It's not not even a comedian, just some some Bama fan I follow on Twitter said, you know, it's pretty depressing that when I go to Chick-fil-A for breakfast in the morning I realize this is the nicest I'm gonna be treated by anyone all day long.
1: <laughs> it's so it's so very true. It's so very true. Um it's funny I because think we, it's true. I think we will save the Tennessee, Alabama memories, uh like game memories. I do have one other memory, a good friend of mine, um, he's he's got his own box at Alabama I go to his box several times uh super guy um, older than me obviously but um in 1985 I believe it was I was supposed to go to the um Alabama Tennessee game with him he had promised me the week before in 85 I was 13 years old right so I mean I'm sitting there you know just oh I can't wait he told me like the previous Saturday at Luke I'm taking you and my kids and we're all going well, somewhere between that weekend and the next weekend, he forgot. But he never told me or my parents that he forgot. So I was sitting on the front step waiting on him to pick me up for the Tennessee game right before kickoff. I mean, like, I'd been out there for hours. Mom said it was the saddest thing she's ever seen. Oh. No. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. But he has certainly made up for it. But it is, it is something that every now and again I bring back. Oh,
0: gosh. That is a sad scene. Let's not end on that.
1: Okay, you got, you got some. I, I got good news. Mac Jones was named SEC Player of the Week last week. Did we discuss that in the last podcast? I don't remember if we did.
0: I can't believe there hasn't been a week where he was an SEC Player of the Week because he's played well <laughs> enough to be SEC Player of the Week every damn week. To the point they ought to name the damn award after him because it, it, it's he could he could win that any week. You know where Mac is? Let's brag on Mac. You know he has that. You know uh, I work in the quarterback industry now, as we know. He he has that. Uh, that anticipation gene that even most great athletes who play quarterback in college, they don't have that. The ability to complete throws to receivers uh, who, are, who are not yet open. They're not open yeah. yet. And, and, and some quarterbacks are good at what I call throwing them open. He'll, he'll throw a guy open. You know, like Jalen Waddell yeah. is covered down the sideline, so he throws the ball in the middle of the field, uh, forcing Jalen to make an adjustment to the ball, which makes him open. Uh, he doesn't do that. He anticipates the break. And by that meaning, if, if the wide receiver is supposed to take 12 steps and then cut hard right, Mac's throwing it on the 10th step. Mac, don't <laughs> wait for that 12th step. And let me tell you, a lot of quarterbacks who are very, very successful in college, they have to see the break first. They have to see the guy break open before they trust it to throw it. And that doesn't mean that they're terrible quarterbacks. It just means they're normal human beings. And that's what a normal human being does. But the ones with the anticipation gene, they see the whole field, they see the play unfold before it unfolds, and they do what they have to do to make the play work right. And Mac is excellent at that. I thought the best I'd ever seen at Alabama do that is Tua, and Tua was so good at it. He's the fifth pick in the draft. Let me tell you, I'm not saying Mac will be drafted higher than Tua. He's not because he doesn't have Tua's arm strength and he doesn't have Tua's athleticism. But Mac is even better than Tua at anticipating the mm-hmm. break at throwing before his receiver breaks. That's why Mac makes us tight window throws because he ain't fitting it through a window. He's throwing it before the window's is open. The window ain't even open yet. Mac's throwing the ball. That's how those tight window throws
1: happen. No, that's a good point about Mac. In fact, I'm going to say one of his better plays from this last week actually ended up in being a sack because it was third and short uh, Miller forestall who we've heaped praise upon and, and rightfully so he played a great game. But it seems like Forrestall ran the wrong route. He was supposed to go to the marker and just turn around immediately, do like a quick curl. And instead it looked like he did a very short out. And uh, Mac had the wherewithal to not throw the ball when he would normally throw it, which is kind of like having a sixth sense. Because if he had thrown it, then he might have – it could have been picked or it hit him in the butt and been returned for a kick six. We've seen – I mean, a pick six. We've seen that shit happen before. Who knows? But – um I think Mac did a good job actually taking the sack. I mean, certainly you'd rather him throw the ball away, but uh, at the time I I would rather him throw get the sack than throw a pick. So I think it it kind of worked out. Um well Jimmy, uh one other thing really quickly, the Alabama-Georgia game outdrew all the NBA and, and uh MLB playoff games. I don't know if you saw that, but the ratings were through the roof uh in the at the high point. Uh, it had over 12 million viewers. Now, for reference sake, the college football playoff championship has 25 million viewers, and the Super Bowl has 100 million viewers. So it's not like it's getting Super Bowl numbers, but 12 million viewers outdrawing uh, any non-NFL sporting event since sports made their return in May is a huge deal and just further illustrates the point that, that Alabama is much-watched TV right now.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. We could have that many eyeballs on Alabama. What a great advertisement for Alabama football, Alabama sports and even the university itself. Uh that type of advertising for our favorite school, uh you can't put a price on it. Uh unbelievable that we get that many eyeballs more than any major league playoff game, NBA playoff game, NHL hockey game. Incredible. And uh boy, they got a good uh they got a good look at Mac Jones too.
1: Yeah, they did. All right, buddy. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll be back later this week. Well, I guess we'll be back tomorrow. But uh, we hope to have a crossover with the Locked On Vols guys. I've reached out to them. Hopefully, they'll answer me back. And then I'd also like to get some of the Locked On Dolphins guys on here just to see how excited they are about Tua tungle So until then, roll tide. Roll tide.